other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. We have Dr. Sky coming up in just a minute. So if you have questions about space or any of these UFOs that we're shooting down, feel free to call in 800-848-WABC. Well, for six years, it has been an absolute travesty that people in the Hudson Valley and people all over the state, quite frankly, have been forced to call the Tappan Zee Bridge the Mario Cuomo Bridge. And now a Hudson Valley Democrat is joining the push to change that. Democratic Senator James Skoufis, who I supported when he ran for state Senate in my leadership of the Reform Party, he is adding his substantial political muscle to a three-year-old legislative push to rename the Governor Mario M. Cuomo Bridge that connects Rockland and Westchester counties after two years in which GOP-led efforts went nowhere. I think he may actually be successful this time around for two reasons. One, the fact that he's a Democrat and the Democrats are in the majority, that gives this bill more likelihood of passing than if it was just a Republican-only bill and the Republicans are in the minority. Additionally, now that Andrew Cuomo is no longer governor, I think folks are less likely to be fearful of retribution from Andrew Cuomo for trying to rename the bridge that he named for his father. And by the way, he snuck this in to the state budget, even though this has nothing to do with the state budget at the 11th hour and never gave the legislature an opportunity to vote just on this proposal. He buried it in with 10,000 other proposals, and that's not much of an exaggeration. The breadth of what's in the state budget is staggering, and it included this name change. And the fact that this was renamed for the governor at the time's father is just embarrassing and a travesty and something that the state legislature should fix pronto. I say kudos to you, Senator Skoufis. Bravo. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, we have been chronicling for you this saga involving who will be the next chief judge of the New York Court of Appeals. And it took a very interesting turn yesterday because while it seems over for Hector LaSalle, we don't know what's going to happen next. And when I say next, I don't mean just to fill this existing vacancy, but with future governors and future members of the state legislature. Essentially, what occurred is that the Republicans filed a lawsuit to force the whole Senate to vote on the nomination of Hector LaSalle. The full Senate did vote, but not as a result of the lawsuit. I think Andrea Stewart-Cousins and the Senate Democrats were hoping that by taking a full vote, they could avoid the need for the lawsuit. But the Republicans, to their credit, went forward with this lawsuit so it would set a precedent for future gubernatorial nominations. And yesterday, some very interesting news out of Suffolk County, where a state Supreme Court justice, Tom Whalen, issued a ruling in favor of the Republican senators who brought the case, finding that a governor's chief judge nominee to the Court of Appeals must be subjected to a vote before the full state Senate. I think this is clearly the right ruling, and I think it's something that will bode well for whomever Governor Hochul nominates next, and for whatever future governors end up doing in terms of making their picks for the Court of Appeals, because the Constitution says it 
advice and consent of the state Senate. It does not say advice and consent of one specific state Senate committee that's jury rigged from the get go to subvert the governor's pick. I hope the governor picks someone as reasonable and as experienced as Hector LaSalle with her next spot now that uh, there's officially been a new vacancy named for this position. Because as of now, there are six members on the court and it's pretty much deadlocked along ideological lines. Three, three. We'll see what happens next. Two B. Beam me up. Continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Well, in something that has thankfully become a monthly tradition, I want to begin this hour by thanking you because I got a look at the ratings for the overnight show in New York. And once again, we here at WABC and the other side of midnight are leading the pack from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. We are once again number one in the ratings, beating all other radio stations. Now, there is one station that did tie with us. It's a uh, music station, and we're going to make sure they don't tie with us again in the future. But I'm very proud of what we were able to do here, and I recognize that this is all due to you. But I also have to mention, there was a tremendous uptick in the ratings as a whole for the station. We did, for the entire month, and this is all publicly available, you can just Google it, it's out there. We did a 3.9 share, which is huge. We're the only talk station in the top 10. That's far better than we've done in a long time. And a lot of that growth was driven by the morning show. And you got to hand it to Sid Rosenberg, a guy who has been shouldering the burden of this morning show masterfully. My understanding is the morning show did over a seven and a half share. Now, a seven and a half share is great in any day part, midday, overnight. In the mornings, that's almost unheard of. It's crazy. And that is the number one morning show in all of New York. And I don't mean number one news talk show. I believe that is the number one morning show in New York in the category of 12 plus period. So congratulations to all of my colleagues. It is very much a team effort. A special congratulations to our owner, John Katsimatidis, and a huge Congratulations to Sid Rosenberg. I think this should probably put an end to anybody that questions whether Sid needs a partner. I think we got the answer in this ratings book. He clearly doesn't. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One of the nuggets in Governor Hochul's recent budget proposal was a massive tax increase for businesses in New York and the people that work for those businesses. And it was all due to fund the MTA. And it's no secret the MTA is a very poorly managed agency, has been for years. It's also an agency facing some serious fiscal problems. And I understand where the governor's coming from. She doesn't want to preside over a $10 metric card or an $11 subway fare, I get it. And uh, people have had it up to here with fare increases. They've had it up to here with toll increases. So this proposed payroll tax is a means of funding the MTA. Well, yesterday, a whole bunch of legislators, bipartisan, Democrat and Republican, from the Hudson Valley and Long Island who are going to be hit with this MTA payroll tax, as will businesses in New York City, they wrote a letter to the uh, Senate Majority 
Minority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, who herself is a suburban lawmaker, and they believe that counties outside of New York City should be exempted from this proposed payroll taxes in order to shore up the finances of the MTA. Now, I understand where they're coming from. Nobody wants to see their constituents get a tax increase. But I'll tell you, New York businesses don't want a tax increase either. And their whole rationale in this letter, which is to say, well, we don't have subways, we don't have trains, we don't have mass transit of any magnitude, people are not taking the subway to work in our community, it really doesn't hold water for me. Because these counties are part of the MTA zone, and either all these businesses get a tax increase or none of them should. So I don't blame these politicians for not wanting to see their constituents and the businesses in their communities get a tax hike. But New Yorkers don't deserve one either. How about we find another way to fund the MTA that doesn't involve more taxes for New Yorkers, which are going to cause more businesses and more people to leave the state? Beam me up. To be continued. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.